Like, you have to understand all the different lies that come along with going through something like this when you know you're faithful, when you know you've sacrificed it and fasted and prayed and you've given and you've served and you've, not that there's a checklist, but I'm taking you through the process, right? When you know that you've done all that you're supposed to do, if you will, and still nothing. Be genuinely happy for other people, man, because they're open doors for you too. So you need to find that teacher that's already been there, that you can learn from. I don't care where you come from, what your upbringing was, what it looked like, believe that you are great. Yo, yes man, everything you say they agree with instead of correcting you, you have the wrong crowd. Welcome back to another episode of the Circle of Success Podcast. I'm your host, Stanley K. Harvey, and what we bring to the table is bomb people with amazing conversations that possibly can change your life. And like I say, man, I appreciate being a part of this episode. I appreciate being in the room in this episode, but we wrapping it up with this one. This is the part two of Overcoming. Uh, I appreciate the people that was there. I appreciate the laugh and the crying. The emotion that was flowing, the love and the uh, respect for each other. But like I said, I ain't going to hold it up too long. Um, hope everybody enjoy it. And there you go. Maya, Maya. Maya, introduce yourself too, Maya, and then break it down. Yeah, yeah. Oh. <laughs> thought I was going to be the last one. I'm trying to hold my oh, teeth. Oh, you want to be the last stomach, one. My stomach hurt. I'm just like, <laughs> <laughs> I'm asking Nishan for water, like my throat getting dry. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how to act right now. Um, you got this. <laughs> I'll be watching you. I see you on there doing your thing. I've never told, like, the way I'm about to tell my story, I've never told it on this level in front of these. Like, I know there's not much people in here, but I've never told my story in front of this audience and on top of showing it, telling God's, telling God's story. It's not my story. It's God's, and it's his testimony. And doing it through that, it just gives me so much more shivers. Like, it's the Holy Spirit jumping in me. I'm just like, okay. <laughs> um, I'm like, I don't know. The first thing that keeps popping up into my head is that Satan loves his playground. He loves to play, and he loves to play with the ones that are closest to you. Like, he won't just go directly at you. He will go around to everything that you even care about, everything that your heart's set on, anything when it comes to relationships, parents, sisters, anything, family. They're gonna, you're, they're definitely going to go after him. So I don't know where to start. I'm trying to keep this simple because <laughs> um, it kind of goes in the timeline. So this all kind of started when I was five. When I was five, I mean, I was I was still young. I mean, I think I was five or six. I was going to kindergarten. I mean, I really didn't know much of it, but I don't know. I could tell things were, think, cards were about to be played. Like, things are about to start happening that are not in his favor. I mean, I didn't know of God at the time. I was I was baptized a Catholic, and I didn't know, I didn't know anything of being a Catholic. I just knew I was baptized. That's it. Um, and there was one day we ran, my sister told us to run home. We were running. I didn't know why. We were running like with fear. She told us to go hide. And that's when but I, was, I knew something was wrong. Like, why would she tell me? Why, why would she tell me and my sister to go hide? So I went, I went into the house to go check on her. And it's just that's when I experienced two, two men raping her. And I always held so much guilt. Because I'm like, why didn't I? Why didn't I do anything? Why didn't I do anything? <laughs> it's like, why didn't I do anything to help my sister? So, I don't know. I never told her until two years ago that I witnessed that because I didn't have what it took 
um, years ago to tell her that I went, that I saw you, I saw you getting hurt. And I saw just someone watching like it was funny. So years went by, but during the guilt, I've experienced a lot of dreams of being raped, you know. Um, I think when I was nine in a spiritual version, I don't know if you guys believe in ghosts or anything like that. But I remember this one night, and there was a night we lived in this apartment. We were living in this apartment, and ghosts loved to be there. And we used to see shadows. We used to see things, you know. Um, they used to play a lot in the house. And after that, there was this one night I saw this, I saw this lady just come out of the couch come like past the couch she was filled with mud she was completely naked and when I went to go back to check like I told her to come out like I want to see you when I went back to check there was nothing there so after that I mean I kept my mouth shut I mean I wasn't being treated fair in the neighborhoods I'm trying to keep things short um I experienced my own little versions of sexual assault I thought it was fun and games, but it was actually a version of sexual assault. I just wasn't witnessing it because I was a kid. I was just playing with the boys. I didn't. I wanted to be a tomboy. I didn't care about being pretty or anything. I just wanted to goof around and everything like that. And, I mean, years to come later, 14, that's when things really started going downhill. Sorry. Um, that's when things really started going downhill. Um, that's when my parents became alcoholics. And... It's hard to see when they care about something more than what they gave life to. Um, you know, I remember putting up a picture, like, with a beer. Well, I had a beer bottle on one hand. I had a picture of me and my sister, the other one. What, what would you choose? Like, tell me, what would you choose? And they couldn't answer that. And, you know, we were hungry all the time. There was times for a week where I just ate a spoon of peanut butter. Like, I didn't have anything. We were losing sleep. We didn't go to school. Um... It was just one of those things. I started getting into abusive relationship at 14. I didn't get out of it, out of it till I was 18. And um, my parents never knew because it just seemed like they were never involved anyway. So I just couldn't tell them about it. I didn't have that parental that figure in my life to say, like, I need help. I need guidance. I need, I need something. And um, during that time, we became homeless. Um... I just never thought to see my parents like that because I remember my dad, he used to hold me, he used to tell me that I'll be, I'll be anything I want to be, you know, when I was a kid, you know, treat me like his princess. And then to the point that I'm not going to curse on this podcast, do not worry. <laughs> uh, he just told me that, you know, they're just, he'll treat me like the dirt he steps on or anybody stepped on, like to the point that he didn't recognize that I was a child anymore. And that hurts a lot. And then we got, we went homeless. We didn't, we were house hopping. That's why sometimes to this day, I feel like I'm in the way, or I feel like if I'm talking to you, I feel like, oh, am I bothering this person? You know, cause I didn't feel, I never had a sense of belonging in a home. So yeah. So making friends at that time wasn't really a thing. I mean, I really, I met people who had misery just like me and it just became that. And I was very rebellious. I didn't have a parent figure. I was very angry. There were things I didn't, I mean, not to the point it was danger, but to the point that it was still wrong to do, um, especially with that, that abusive relationship that was I was in. I was manipulated. I was gaslighted. I was hurt um, physically and mentally. And it was a lot to hide those wounds. And <laughs> Oh, my gosh. And then so I'm trying to fast forward things. So high school came along. 
high school came along, this is when we kind of had a house. And this is, I was still in that traumatic relationship. And on top of that, um, this is when school was slipping. This is when we didn't have, like, we started dealing with child services. We started dealing with social services at school. Like, there wouldn't have been a day in high school that I cannot think of that they would always call me in that office, ask me what's going on. But you got to think about 10 years, 10 years I was silent. 10 years I had to be quiet because I didn't want nobody to take me away from my sister. You know, as much as she doesn't know how much I love her, which I do, she doesn't, you know, it's a love thing, acceptance. <laughs> um, I didn't want nothing to happen. My parents always told us, don't say anything, because if you say something, you're going to get separated. So from that point on, I was just silent. I never told them that my parents were alcoholics. I never told them about the abuse and the nights where things were broken, you know, um, things, things were shattered, the times where I had to be in between the argument to the point that my dad doesn't break something. My mom doesn't do something that she that she knows I can end up potentially making her get hurt or something like that. So I don't know. I was always that bulldog. Like, I'm like, I'm going to get in between this. You got me messed <laughs> up. <laughs> like, I was like, mm, hmm, then let me get this pit bull out of me. That's why my aunt used to call me, you a pit bull. You'll bite when you need to, but you'll stand still when you need to as well. But, yeah, I was because I don't play. I don't play about nobody. I don't play about anybody that I care about. So... I dropped out of fast forwarding. I dropped me and my sister dropped out of high school and we were in a position to the point that we were both falling in a, a really bad depression. I'm not trying to tell her story. Um, cause that's something where she's just going to have to share on her own. And I'm trying to respect her bounds. Um, but it's to the point where when I found God, this is where the point where I, I kind of, where, where I did, where I did find God. Um, I think it was 17 or 16, 16. This is when I was very suicidal. I had a really bad depression, but I couldn't hide that because I had to hide that because my sister, my sister was dealing with it and my parents did not care. And I didn't, I didn't want any, even a little bit of attention to go away from her with what she was dealing with. Cause she was, she was dealing with it and I was cutting myself. I was, I was hurting myself. I was trying to do some type of OD and there was just one day where I was just at night. Or it was that morning, everybody was asleep. And I just remember just seeing that, seeing that blood come out. And, like, I was ready to let things go. Like, I was ready to be gone. I didn't know where I was going. I just knew I was going to go. And then out of nowhere, I was well, not out of nowhere. I was just starting, I'm like, I just started looking up to the ceiling. And then I just heard a voice. I'm just like, this isn't it for you. This isn't it for you. I need you to get up. And I heard it. I'm just like, I'm tripping. I'm tripping. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just like, no, and like you need to get up. And so I got up. I got cleaned. I tried to hide my wounds the best way I can. I went to work. Like, you know, Nicole said, life goes on. You're in a huge rage of pain, and you're a huge rage of a life that nobody else knows but you and maybe the closest ones that you're with, and you just have to deal with it. Like, it sucks, but getting, we are, you know, um, God's path is a narrow path, and we're never meant to be in something wide and too crowded because that's not the devil's path. I mean, that's not the, that's not God's path. If anybody didn't know that, but um, <laughs> I mean, after that to come, um, I don't know. Things just got worse. I got in a second abusive relationship. Um, that was really, really hard. It was honestly one of the recents and, um, that, that was rough because I was still didn't, I didn't have really my parents around. I had them, but I did it. They would take, they would help me where I can. Um, but it was just a generational curse of bad 
men. It was a generational curse of depression, anxiety. Like the devil really took my family. Like they, they she tried to teach, trying to take them fully away. And it hurts me to see that because I always knew that I was different. I knew that I would, I knew even though we were in this situation that we, we're going to find some type of positivity and we're going to make things work. So, I mean, you know, the counselor at school told me that I wasn't going to graduate. That's when I left school. Now I graduated a year early because you're not going to tell me what I cannot and cannot do because I've been told that too much in my life to the point that when am I going to take a stand? When, when am I going to hold myself accountable what I'm doing? I mean, I understand what they're doing, but if I'm in God's protection, nothing can defeat me. Nothing can defeat me. So I don't know. We, we went on. I mean, my dad's gotten way better. My mom's doing better and everybody else is just trying to find the Lord, and I'm, I am too. I'm getting baptized in October. Yeah. <laughs> I'm taking the right path with God. I feel the Holy Spirit more than ever to this day, and I I love this process. I love the journey. I love what I'm doing with God through God. People say being a Christian is so boring. No, it's not. <laughs> it just happened, sis. It just having some more, some discipline. And we're gonna live our best life. You hear me? <laughs> So, I don't know. That's just a, some of my story. I appreciate everybody who's listening. So, thank you. Oh, yeah. So, how old was your sister? Uh, she was in middle school. Okay. So, and she told y'all to hide. She told us to hide in the garage. In the garage. So, was somebody chasing y'all? Or? Yeah, someone was following. So, she was picking us up from school. We lived down the street from the school, from the elementary school. And she was, she picks us up every day when she remembers. Because middle schoolers, you know how that goes. So, was it like men? It was two, it was two, it was two guys. I wouldn't say they were men, but they were definitely around the age of her. So, but they, but they known her and they knew what they wanted to do. So she, she saw them. I know. And she just told us to run, like get home, run and go hide in the garage and do not come out till I tell you to. And she had no idea you was, you saw what was going on. No. Until you just told her. Yeah. I told her two years ago when I kind of, um, this is kind of when, I'm not trying to go back. This is kind of when I was starting being kind of open, you know, with Nishan. This is when I was being open to Lily and telling because those words never came out of my mouth. Like, I saw my sister. I was watching, and I didn't do anything about but it. But one thing you could let go is you was five. You couldn't yeah. do nothing about I it. I know, and, I, and I, I didn't know that till now. Like, I knew that I was... I had to accept that I was a kid, and like I said, I always had that bulldog thing, not that bull, pit bull thing that, oh, I can, I can. Now, that could I make did. you aggressive, too, but you it couldn't is. do nothing about no, it. No, I way. couldn't do anything about it, because I couldn't know what could have happened with me in that situation, yeah. too. Yeah, because never know what they was on for you as a no. five-year-old kid. Yeah, and that's, you know, why so. she took, that's why they told us to hide, but luckily, those two, uh, those guys got went to jail for a little bit. They okay. had their time to play. Uh, once my parents found out, that's when, because she was silent about it at first. So, w- dealing with your parents, did y'all move from your parents once the, you said they was doing alcohol and everything, did y'all so, No, I, so throughout that whole 10 years, the 10 years of the, alcohol, uh, the alcoholism, we were living with them. Oh, okay. But, you know, the thing is, it's like, I'm 14, I don't have a job, I don't have a car, I don't know how to drive, I don't, I don't know how to do anything. All I know how to do is be here and doing best I can to smile at school. Like, that's all I... Things you shouldn't be thinking about as a kid, like I, I was so angry and rebellious because I just wanted to be a kid. And when I saw families just being together, being a great family, and I just got so 
jealous i'm like why can't i have that like why why don't god give me that like i I want that like why why do i have to deal with the destruction at home like one thing that i used to write that was just like i used to go home and i and it didn't feel like home it was like it's a welcome man but it didn't feel like i was getting welcomed home so it felt like i was just going back to the devil's playground to be honest so was it times you like i don't want to go there like from school you have like i don't i wish school went over yeah yeah there would be times when i was uh 14 i used to I used to go hang out with a friend that I had at the time and, or, you know, I used to try to go see that one. We ain't going to say the name. We ain't, we ain't. Basically little guys just that. to get away from home, to little stay boys. away from home. Little boys. You hear me? Little boys. <laughs> how did you, how did you start coming out of there? Like, was it like, what, what changed you to be able to start coming out of there or to know that I can overcome these obstacles with the relationship stuff no just, just like your in life. general yeah just like i don't because we met you, you met right when Monte lounge opened up right when it yeah opened she started up. coming and, here yeah, yeah you and i here. met ryan and i met you i met you and then ryan and then i know i'm just like well i'm be your friend <laughs> <laughs> so, look, she, she'll talk about it all day don't get her started but <laughs> um how I got through it I don't know because I I shouldn't have left this part out but when since I was 14 all I didn't I mean like I said I didn't really I never held a bible before till how many maybe six five four months ago and um I just knew there was a God and I knew I'm praying to something I knew I'm praying to God something good we're gonna figure this out so (laughs) I'm just like oh my goodness like I just kept on all I prayed for was for wisdom and for strength I never have prayed for riches I've never prayed for clothes for for a good a good man in my life at the time I didn't even care about men at the time you hear me so (laughs) so (laughs) so oh my goodness let me stop being goofy right now but um I just I I didn't want anything more like I knew so he put something in my spirit that I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to, he's going to build me. Like I wanted to be built to the point that I'm changing my life, changing my families, but not only that, changing others. Yeah. So that great. was, um, and that was my basic. I'm like, God, if you just show me, like teach me how to be wise and sh- strong through this process, I will be a reflection through you. I will, I will show everyone who who god is like just through your testimony it says it right in the bible all the time do not show people like try to judge them or anything so they can try to believe me show them why show them show them who you are of a reflection of god and they will see that joyce they will see the glory they will see the glow that you have when you're happy like oh how's that girl so peaceful and happy god <laughs> lord and savior you i mean we might be going shaking through things right now but god got me so we're going to get through this sometime, somewhere. I don't know how. So, <laughs> but no, I mean, I just, I just knew. And through that time, I just saw the pattern. I mean, obviously it took time to get through it, especially through the abusive relationship. It took me, took me a while to get through that because it was just a pattern of it. My mom used to accept being treated like a dog. She was being treated so like trash. And, and that's from your father. From my father, yes. So was they together the whole time? Or yeah, but they were, they were together. They, they, they just couldn't have enough. Like they could never have enough of the arguing, the fighting, the back and forth. They couldn't, or the, the hatred towards it. They just couldn't have enough. Like if someone did something, if one of them did want something, they're going to do something back. Like they were going to do something revenge. back. It yeah, or they were going to do something really play, 
really really petty and it just i don't know when i used to see my dad when he was just extremely drunk like i was like this isn't my dad mm. and i'm like this isn't him and i used to i used to cry so bad because i'm like oh my gosh like that this was the person you know who used to say all these things to me when i was like like less than five and five or six and so at that point he he wasn't drinking no it's then, all it, came grew. it all came as yeah. it all came like after after the rape after yeah after, after the, your sister after my sister and after my other sister um i have three so, so one another of, one got raped too no another one was just dealing with a lot of spiritual battles if you want to say that respect so he was running that he was would, his way he, of running yeah drinking. he would play um he would play a lot with my oldest sister the devil would play with her a lot and um on top of that she was just really you know boy crazy at the time because you know female wants to be loved and you know we're so vulnerable at first when we're young we're just like oh that feels good like someone's giving me attention someone's giving me the time of day and that's how i even got in a relationship in the first place because i'm like okay i didn't receive the love that i wanted at home so i'm gonna find it somewhere else but and i told myself uh i'm never gonna be like my parents you know what happened <laughs> I got bit in the face. That's what happened because I never dealt with the trauma. I've never dealt with that. I just so was so rebel on, on being nothing like them. But at the end of the day, if you don't deal with your trauma, if you don't deal with the pain, if you don't deal with the things that have happened in your lives and the roots of things, you're never gonna get through. And it's gonna be a consistent cycle. You're gonna keep hitting that same brick wall till you heal from it. That man is not gonna heal you. That man is not gonna show you God's plan for you. That man is not gonna fulfill you the way that God is gonna fulfill you and take care of you and love you. He shows unconditional love and me and the child are talking about this bump pops he is so forgiving i'm like girl how you you hear me i be seeing these people he's so forgiving sometimes <laughs> trauma, trauma is real and we we especially as color people we we take that we think that that's a game yeah and uh and uh, because a lot of us look at trauma as it's normal yeah. the stuff we go through we look at we think it's normal and it's not normal. you know and um i think that you're right. Like it's going to come out in some in some form, some fashion. If you never deal with it, it's going to come out. I don't care in your relationship and your you're gonna. It's just, it comes out in different ways. Yeah, it does. You know, you have to deal with trauma. But yeah, and it was just the thing is like it was it was a same pattern, but it was a different face. You're you're gonna you're gonna realize the patterns because even if even if you're experiencing the same, this person is doing the same thing. They might have a different past they may have a different everything but they got the same pattern as the last one different says. clothes they different have the shoes, same but, they, but they have this different face they just wearing a mask behind what the devil's trying to do for you and he's trying to keep you in that cycle for him because he's trying to ruin you he's trying to show that you can never be loved like i remember the time where i was getting social social media bombed i was getting hacked i was going to work there was uh, mail trying to be sent to me i was 16 there was the guy was sending stuff to my job i was getting calls from my dad at home like i couldn't even go to work and there would be times where the customers would just see the scars on my arm and I couldn't hide them. So it was definitely a battle to be reckoned with. And, you know, still to this day, me and my father are still building a relationship. We're still trying. And, you know, me on my healing journey, I just, I always don't want to ever think about what could happen if he passed and I didn't, we didn't fix things or we, we didn't, I didn't just forgive him. Like I always told him like, oh, I'm healed. No, I ain't. No, you ain't serious. Quit playing with yourself. You ain't healed because things are still happening. You still crying about the stuff that's happening in the past. So, I don't know. People just really need to take a step back with themselves. Um, really understand. Um, 
what you are doing in this situation and just reflect with yourself on who you are. What, what are you dealing with? What are you fighting with? You know, everybody has a baggage, but you shouldn't deal with someone's baggage to the point that you're getting hurt. You're the one that's getting, you're the one that's dealing with the pain too. Misery loves company, like I said. And God, uh, the devil is definitely trying to play his cards when it comes to misery. Let's come because it's exactly what he did to my parents, exactly what he's doing to my sisters. And I don't know, I just felt like I was always the one to change things. So, that's what's it. up, generational curse breaker girl. You hear me? Hold on, don't get me started on this mic. You know, I would say something. Mariah, powerful, powerful, powerful. We thank you and we save the best for last. Yes. <laughs> what do you do? Um, everyone had an ending to their story and a good ending. What do you do when you are in a waiting season and you do not have an ending yet? How do you make it through that? Oh, it's Darlishia, you guys. And I feel like my name is Wait. <laughs> I really do. My first, middle, and last name is Girl, You Better Wait. Um, <laughs> so my story is still in, in motion. Um, it's, it has to do with my husband. I believe in God for a baby. Um, it has been six and a half years since. Okay. Is this better? Yes. Sorry. Um, my husband and I have believing, been believing God for a baby for about six and a half years. Um, I've always wanted kids. And uh, I'm just going to start off by saying that since my husband and I got married, we've always had issues with intimacy. It's really interesting because before we got married, we didn't have sex before marriage, but we were so heavily attracted to each other that you could barely keep us away from each other. But as soon as we got engaged, something shifted, something changed, and it's always been difficult to um, have intimacy with one another. So I just believe that even from the beginning that something was there to try to stop our family from building and growing. And... <laughs> Just through the years, it's been a lot of things that I've had to work through, that he's had to work through, that we've had to work through. Um, I've never been like sexually abused or anything, but you would almost think that I have with the way that I thought about sex and the way that I thought about intimacy. It's always been a struggle for me. And so just even having to deal with that with my husband and work through that in a marriage relationship, um, again, another battle that we've had to get over. And so in the beginning parts, before 2017, is, January 2017 is when we said, okay, we'll go ahead and get off of contraceptives. Um, I've been married since February of 2014. So the top of 2017 is when we said, okay, we'll get off of contraceptives and we'll try to have a baby. And um, also at that time, my husband, he said it with his mouth, but I don't think in his heart that he was really ready. So I would say for a year, two years, he was saying, yeah, 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 but he wasn't really ready. So then I still had to deal with him saying one thing and feeling and dealing with another thing. And so I felt like I was very alone at that time with wanting to have a baby and just kind of praying about those sort of things. And so eventually he was like, okay, I'm getting better about this. I think he just had a general fear of taking care of another life because he's very comfortable in providing, he's very comfortable in being a husband, being a friend, and all of those things. And if you know my husband, he loves his individuality, honey. So <laughs> being able to have his time to do what he wanted was just really, really important to him. And so just over time, I believe he just kind of grew into the thought of, if you will, um, being a dad and having children and sharing, sharing his life in a different way. And so um, I would say since 2020 now, it's 2023 now, but since 2020, maybe, he's fully jumped in, like, yeah, let's do this. Let's be ready for this. 
and we started doing all of the testing and everything that's necessary. So they'll tell you at the doctor's office, if you have not been able to conceive in six months to a year, then go get checked out. So it had passed that time already. Clearly, if we started January of 2017 and it's now 2020 and nothing's happening. So we um, went to my doctor, my OBGYN, and this lady, just to Nicole's point earlier, like they just say anything without emotion and I get it's their job, but they can really break hearts in those, in those hospital rooms. And so my OBGYN, when I would go and talk with her, she would just tell me, you're young, don't worry about it. Lady, <laughs> I'm coming to you because it's clearly not happening on its own and your best piece of advice, your professional opinion is you're young, don't worry about it. I'm gonna need you to move to the left. I got rid of her, <laughs> to say the least. Um, so I reached out to like my husband's insurance just to figure out what's my next step and it's going to a fertility specialist. So we call the fertility specialist, we get our blood drawn, we get, um, he gets a semen analysis, I get, uh, I forget the name of everything y'all, but I've literally done every test, every procedure, every blood draw. I've done the cell testing just to figure out genetically was like anything you can imagine I've done it. We've spent money on to figure out what's going on. And the literal words from the doctor is your uterus is perfect. There's nothing going on with you. Nothing is blocked. You're fine. We can't find anything. So then the fertility specialist gives us a diagnosis of unexplained infertility. I don't know if you can imagine being given a diagnosis after you've done everything that you can do and they tell you this is unexplained we can't do anything but what they gave us was insemination which is basically them putting the sperm where it needs to go to try to get it closer or IVF and I just know in my spirit that God is not calling us to do either of those things and so I know I sound crazy I know I look crazy when I share my story with people but I know God's voice and I know how God deals with me and I know that through everything, through anything, God wants to get the glory. And I, I, it's easy for me to compromise. And I'm not saying that those who have chosen those paths, that you've compromised your walk. And I don't know what God told you, but I know what God told me. And he said, don't move forward. I'm, I had no peace about that. And I'm not going to let them play an experiment with my body because they don't know what's going on. I'm not going to subject myself to this medication, to these shots, to these uh what they call them, immunizations. I'm not gonna be having to go to y'all office every month and do these scans and y'all not gonna play with me because I'm a black woman too and I don't all the way necessarily agree with how black women are treated in that arena. And so I'm not gonna be your case study. And so I just, I, I refuse to move forward on any of those things. I made the calls, I asked the questions because here's one thing I do believe that Faith Without Works is dead and I wanna be able to, if, if me, I want to be able to know if you find something, what can I be talking to God about for him to deliver me from? Because you're not going to just be in there doing whatever with me. And my husband never had a piece about anything. I was taking the medication to um, stimulate my, my, my follicles so that we could have uh, more mature eggs, if you will. I always ovulated on my own. Cycle was always regular. So it's just, the stuff just doesn't make sense as to why it's not happening all these years. And of course, the only thing you hear is it's just God's timing. <laughs> just wait. And my name is Wait. I just, I just, I just. Um, so that's like what I heard over and over and over. And I'm like, God, I get it. So outside of my body, my faith is also being put to the test every day, every year. I could just recall myself every month when my cycle would come. 
Sorry, Stan. You all right? We used to it, man. We did. Every you know. <laughs> Every month would be like this mini depression because it's like a reminder that you're not pregnant. Every month is a reminder you're not pregnant. Every month is a reminder you're not pregnant. And on top of that, I love my husband. And he loves me so much, but he don't understand what it feels like. And his level of compassion has not always been there. It's, it's there and it's getting better, but it's not always been there. So I really felt like I was on this journey by myself. I don't, I, I share my story because God has put a mandate on my life to be very vocal about a lot of things that I go with. So I only do it when he tells me to, but I don't share all of the moments. I never have. But there are people that I reach to, like Sister Nikki, she knows a lot of things even when I didn't share with my parents, quite honestly. There's a lot of times I never share with my parents because I didn't always feel emotional safe, emotionally safe there either. So I would have just literally less than a handful of people that I would feel safe going to to share these moments with um, to help me get through them because even as a woman of faith, there's still humanity there. And I've had very, very weak moments of just breaking down and crying. And to Nicole's point about how do you go through life um, knowing that other people have what you want. And it, I don't think it was necessarily for me. In the beginning it was, I'll admit, it, there was a jealousy there, but I asked God, to Maya's point, to deal with me. Like give me, give me the strength and wisdom and the, the help to navigate these experiences and these moments without the bitterness, you know, without the hate, without the sadness that goes along with it every time. Like the sting, I was listening to something on the way here and how, you know, death has a sting. And I was like, I asked God to take the sting away of getting the news that other people are pregnant, whether they did it right or did it, and that it wouldn't affect me in that way. And so I believe over time, God has definitely helped me with that. Um, but the other part of that is uh, 2020, 2020, 2021, I can't remember which year, but I was sitting in a church service and this had nothing to do with pregnancy, conceiving, family, nothing. But I heard God clearly speak to me and he said, I want you to do a video series of women who are dealing with pregnancy difficulties and I want you to minister. And I'm like, God, no. <laughs> Have you ever told God no? Yep, man. <laughs> I'm like, no, absolutely not, sir, because look at me. What, what I got? I have no proof. I have no evidence. I have no track record if you will in this area outside of just believing you but there's no nothing for me to show for how I'm going to minister to other husbands and wives because it's specific to husbands and wives he told me there's no track record for me to minister to husbands and wives who have dealt with loss who've not been able to conceive like my husband and I or who whatever the case may be because there's a lot of stuff that goes on um, with fertility but ultimately I said yes <laughs> And I had never done anything like that before. I really hadn't like done video editing. I hadn't done like specific interviews for stuff like that. I hadn't, none of this was, was done before. I should say it like this. It was all foreign to me, but I have to give God a yes. I want to give God a yes. So I reached out to the people that he put on my heart uh, for me to interview and share their story. And then as a result of all of that, I did the video series. It was like, Nikki was on it too, and she prayed for us. Um, and it was like four, four, four or five of us. And I put it out on YouTube. I put it out on Facebook. And the next step, I'm like, God, why you keep on taking this the next step? Like, I don't understand because this is hard. This is hard as somebody who hasn't had the result yet to continue to put yourself out there. And so um, he told me after the video series that I needed to create a group. 
So I created this group on Facebook for husbands and wives who were believing God for a baby. It was called Wombs of Wives. And in that group, we would share our stories, we would share our testimonies, we would pray, and anytime we had a weak moment, we would share it and you know come in there and encourage one another. And it was about 30 people in that group. And I kid you not, y'all, if not every person in that group, every couple in that group has had a baby or they're pregnant now and I'm like the only one left, and God would use me to stand in the gap for those individuals and see their babies being born and celebrate with them when they get the good news. And here's the deal. It's not that God shouldn't do it for them. You know, and I think that could be a misconception that when you're hurting and you're going through your own things, it's not that you don't want God to do it for other people. It just also hurts that it's not happened for you yet. But through it all, I've been to baby showers. <laughs> I've been to announcements. I've been to reveals. I've been, you know, I've been to first birthday parties. And it's like, God, you're faithful. That's the only thing that comes to mind is you're faithful. You're faithful. You're faithful. You're faithful. You're so good. Thank you for being a God who answers prayers. Thank you for being a God who keeps his word. Thank you for being a father who takes care of your own. Thank you, God. Thank you, God, for doing the miraculous. And I have to hang on to that. So just to answer your question earlier, Nikki, like, what do you do when your name is awake? I just have to hang on to the fact that he's done it for them. And I know God is not a respectable person. And I know that God has given me a word. And that's something about me. I'm willing to look a fool to stand on God's word. I'm willing to look a fool to do it the way that he said do it. Even if common sense would say, call the fertility specialist again. Because that's the latest news that we've gotten just a month ago. Call the fertility specialist again. What I didn't tell you is that I shared my testimony on Facebook, and one of my people that I know that I love in my life, she reached out and she gave me a recommendation for a doctor, and I had peace about reaching out to this doctor. I don't move unless I have peace. Let me just say that, too. I, don't, I ain't just going because you said something. But I had peace about calling, and this doctor has been nothing but good to us and giving us direction and giving us all the things. And... Um, he connected my, he wanted to get my husband's um, semen analysis done. My husband has three semen analysis. This, the, the story's just crazy, y'all. I've done all the procedures, all the things. I've seen the doctors. My husband has three semen analysis. The first two, they never said, they never explained anything to him. They never said anything was going on. We just getting the stuff done. They just taking the money at this point. I'm sick of it. <laughs> like, I'm really sick of it. But we go to this doctor, and he's like, let me see your husband's past results. So then he looks at the past results, and he's like, okay, there looks like there's some abnormalities. And here I am pissed off because nobody's ever said anything. So he, he refers him to another specialist for that. He gets his semen analysis again. They discover what they would call subfertility instead of infertility, which this whole time I'm thinking it's me. And I'm not saying it's my husband, y'all, but I'm just sharing the process. All of these years, it's me, me. Something's wrong with me. I'm feeling less of a woman. I'm feeling less of a wife. I'm feeling like some fragment of a believer. Like, you have to understand all the different lies that come along with going through something like this. When you know you're faithful, when you know you're a woman of God, when you know that God hears your prayers, when you know you've sacrificed it and fasted and prayed and you've given and you've served and you've, not that there's a checklist, but I'm taking you through the process, right? When you know that you've done all that you're supposed to do, if you will, and still nothing. Like, what do you do with that? And this whole time I'm thinking, God, something's wrong with my body. So I'm feeling guilty. I'm feeling some sort of shame. I'm feeling I can't fulfill this for my husband. Like, what kind of woman am I, you know? 
So going through all of that to get to this point, and then like it could be something going on with his sperm, and I'm just like, whoa, like how do you shift? Because now I need to, I'm going into cover mode. Like I'm a woman that covers my husband. <laughs> we may have our stuff at home, but in the face of everybody else, he's it. You understand? So how do I now shift from thinking whatever's going on with my body to now, if this is him, how do I protect his ego? How do I cover him? How do I lift him up? How do I support him through this? Because again, this whole time, he's also thinking it's me. And now, you know what a man, sometimes that cuts a little different, you know, when it's something on you. And it's different for a woman than it is with a man versus an egg and sperm. Like it's just, they don't have as many options, if you will, for men as they have for women. And so then here I'm like, here it is, another roadblock. What do I do with this whole time I'm praying? Like, God, we need direction because it's easy to just say, pop me on the table. Like, <laughs> freeze these eggs, take them out, do what you need to do. My sister's offering herself as a surrogate. She's like, sis, do you need my egg? Like, this is crazy. This is crazy. Nobody knows that. But she's, like, offering me whatever she can because she's very fertile. <laughs> and I'm like, no. No, sis, thank you. I love you, but no. Um... So then getting this latest news about what they call subfertility. So essentially they're saying there's good sperm, bad sperm. And even though he still has the ability to get me pregnant, it's more bad sperm than good sperm, if you will. So then now after week, months actually of waiting to hear that, because he had no resolve the last time he went to the doctor, they didn't give him instructions. So me, I'm like, I get answers. Somebody's going to tell me something. So I'm calling every day. And they finally give us the answer, what they what they saying, and I'm like, oh, <laughs> oh, okay. So now we're faced with the decision on do we see a fertility specialist again? The other part I didn't get to share is I had called a second fertility specialist already before any of this, um, going through the insurance again, and I called just to inquire. I had a, a video consult, a phone consult, video consult. The person never met me. We get on the call. And she's instantly going to IVF. I was offended. Lady, you haven't even met me. You have never run my blood. You've never looked at any of my records and my documents. And you're automatically telling me I need IVF and it's going to cost $20,000? No, ma'am. Hang up the phone. I'm never calling you again. I was so offended and just hurt that a doctor would, wouldn't even take the time. You so caught up in your profession that you don't even take the time to get to know who you're servicing. That bothered me so bad. So it just sends me to another place of intercession for other people who are going through stuff like this because you can easily feel just so defeated and just go with it. But again, I didn't have peace about that. So now I'm being told a third time to go to a fertility specialist. Y'all, this stuff is getting old by this point. Like, <laughs> what do you do? So I'm praying to God about, like, what do what, sh what should we do? What is the next step? And uh, throughout this whole time, from 2017 until now, there has not been a month, two months that have gone by that God has not reminded me his promise. I have to put that in there. There's never been a time where he has not sent a prophetic word, where he's not given me a dream, where he's not had someone to call me, to message me, Facebook me, write me. I'm out of town. I'm at certain, uh, messages and conferences, and they would call me forward. They would pray. There is not a time, I'm telling you, throughout that whole time that God has not reminded me of what he said. 
So even though I've had these these moments and times of discouragement, and I'm being reminded every month because this cycle is coming, God has always told me, I'm calling you a mother. You're already a mother, quite honestly. I'm already a mother, quite honestly. And he has just sent a word and a reminder and a hug and a love. And even just this week, <laughs> last week, three people told me they were pregnant. Three. Two in one day and one the day before. I'm like, what the heck is going on here? <laughs> what the heck is going on here, God? I, 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 I want to hear it, but I don't want to hear it, but I do want to hear it, but I don't want to hear it, but I do. <laughs> and I want to be there and I want to celebrate. And also, ouch, how many times do I have to be reminded? How many times does this have to be thrown in my face? Like, how many times? But here's the deal. I prayed that when it happens, I don't get the sting. So you got to understand there's got to be an opportunity to feel the non-sting, right? It's, it's so much perspective. Um, <laughs> it's just so much perspective. But when I was having a hard time, I reached out. I talked to my best friend, and I called Sister Nikki. And I'm like, I need, I need some help. Okay, I need some prayer through this. It's not that I don't believe. It's not that I'm not in it with God. It's not that I don't trust him, but ouch. And so they, they prayed for me, um, and they helped me through those moments. I go to a church service, and we're talking about conceiving. You guys shared your testimony. I'm like, ouch. <laughs> this is great, God. I thank you so much, and ouch. And so then I'm going through that again, too. Um, and then I get a call. I just love God. I love him. I'm, I have to tell his story. It's his story. It really is. And I was thinking that earlier today, actually. This is everything I go through is God's story because he knows I'm going to give him the glory. And everybody don't do that, but he knows with me, so he allows me to go through a lot of hard stuff because he knows he's going to get it. And I'm going to tell it, okay? I am not quiet. <laughs> but just this week, after all of that, I got the three people who got pregnant. We had the testimonies at church, and where Quincy breaks out in this song about waiting. I'm like, listen, you do not need to remind me about waiting. But <laughs> amen, God. <laughs> and um, I call Sister Nick, and I'm like, sis, I'm hurting. I'm hard. This is hard for me. I need some help. And she tells me, I ain't going to say what she shared with me, but she gives me a word, and I'm like, yep, that's it. Amen, Lord. And then I get a call today, yesterday, and she's like, call me. This lady I haven't talked to in a while. I'm talking about years, potentially. And she says, you are my heart, and God told me to tell you what she told me. What she told me, I ain't going to share it because it's mine. <laughs> and she shared it with me, and I'm just like, amen. It was confirmation to what Sister Nikki was saying. And then today, you don't know this part, <laughs> one of my clients, I'm a realtor, one of my clients called me. I've never talked to her about my story, and she's like, I was praying, and God put you on my heart doing prayer, and I can share this one. And he said, um, she said, I was praying for your desires. And I was like, do you know what my desire is? Like, well, I never, I never talked to her about it. And she was like, well, you tell me and I'll let you know if it's what I, and I told her, she was like, yeah, that's exactly what I prayed for. And I'm in agreement with you and your husband. And I'm like, God, you the bomb. <laughs> in that moment, like, what do you do but thank God? It just takes me through all the stories that I've read in the Bible about when stuff happened with people. They just, they literally would fall down on the ground and worship if they did it right. They would literally fall down on the ground and worship, and that's how I feel with my journey, my fertility journey with my husband, um, how faithful God is and how he, he just never leaves me or forsakes me. Even when I'm having my, my moments of weakness, it's just that a moment, you know, and, and to Nicole's point about having the right people around you to encourage you and to remind you and to pray for you and to cover you and to, you know, help bring back to life what you know to be the truth because it's really easy 
to forget. If you're not a person who knows how to keep God's track record, you're going to get lost in the sauce. You have to document God's track record. We're able to recall this stuff because it's just so vivid for us. I'm years down the line, right? Every moment, seven weeks, like we know the dates. We know what's going on. But if you're not at that place where you know how to keep God's track record, let this be your encouragement to start writing this stuff down. Like you think you're not out of it yet, but this is a part of the story. This is a part of the journey. You need to become a journaler. You need to become a documenter. You need to become a historian of your life. Because if you forget God, you've lost it. If you forget God, you will not see the promise. If you forget his word, you will not be encouraged. If you forget his word, you will be depressed. If you forget the promise, you're, you're lost. You're already lost in the sauce. You know, but to to uh, Nicole's point, <laughs> tell me Nicole's. <laughs> you know, um, dang, I forgot the point, y'all. <laughs> you're saying you'll get lost in the sauce. You're going to get lost in the sauce. You just have to remember, you have to remember God. You have to remember what he has said. You have to remember that he has called you out, that he's put his mark on you, that he has filled you with his peace. And here's the deal. If you're not a person of prayer, you need to become one because there's no way you're going to get through the attacks if you don't know how to pray, if you don't know how to call on the name of Jesus, if you don't know that the light of God is around you and is in you, if you don't know the resurrection power of the Holy Spirit, if you don't know how to call out the name Jesus for yourself, we reached out for help, but some stuff you got to do for yourself. And that's just been my story. When I felt alone, when I felt overlooked, when I felt passed over, when I felt less of a woman, when I felt less of a wife, when I felt like a piece of a believer, like how can I pray for other people? Literally, they come with testimonies. When you prayed this, when you prayed this, you prayed this, you prayed this, you prayed this, Darlisha, and it came to pass. How is it that I could pray for other people and I can't even get it for myself? Kind of, kind of thought, right? If you don't know how to get out of that, it's going to be so much harder to get to the promise. And I'm still in waiting, but I've received, I've received it. Like, I've already received it. So, so they can tell me all the time, you got to see yourself as mine. You got to see yourself as You got to stop preparing. You got to stop preparing. And here's the deal, y'all. This is the other part. I prepared the room at one point in time. I bought the clothes at one point in time. Like, I, all the stuff you would hear, oh, you got to show your faith. All the stuff that you can do, I've done it, but I'm at the place where there's no more doing I, there's nothing, there's no more doing. So my word is to rest, is to be still and know that he is God. Just receive it. Just just receive it, just receive it, just receive it, just receive it. And that's where I am. Like, I know God can't lie. I know that he doesn't fail. And even though it's almost been seven years, <laughs> I feel like Abraham now. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, all this through you hear you hear people talk about Hannah a lot. Yes, definitely Hannah praying with no words coming out, looking like you drunk. That's been me countless times. Well, I feel like Abraham and Sarah or Sarah. The weight is something that has matured me in ways that nothing else has been able to, quite honestly. And I appreciate God for loving me enough to see me through this. I appreciate God for seeing my future and making me to be the woman who I'm supposed to be for that future now. Like I appreciate him for developing my character, teaching me how to look beyond the moment, teaching me how to celebrate with others and mourn with others. I've been there with losses as well. I've been there for people who wanted to curse God and die because he didn't do it. 
the way that he said that they thought he said he would do it or the way they wanted him to do it. I've seen them through that and still say, God, I trust you. It's wow. <laughs> it's wow when I really look at the scope of things. And I'm sure I'm not even telling it at all, but ultimately what I want to communicate about the weight is you have to wait well. And that's the part. And if in the beginning you have not waited well, ask God to help you to wait well so that you can continue to be made into the man and the woman that he's, or the woman that he's called you to be because that's where I am. I'm just being made so that when that baby comes, I can be a mom that leads that baby to Christ and shows that baby, you know, the godly way and to cover that baby, cover those children because there's going to be more than one to cover my children, you know, the way that I should and to lead them in Christ. Like I'm being made into her now. I'm dealing with my own insecurities and stuff from my past and stuff from my childhood now. So when it when the time come that baby gonna be speaking in tongues out the womb. Like <laughs> that baby gonna be teaching the word out the womb. I know this. So I have to be her now. I have to be her. I have to be her. And um yeah the the weight is it sucks to hear it. It sucks. You just got to wait. It's God's time, and it is. You just can't get around that. But, yeah, my name is Wait, and here I am. I'm, I'm, I'm waiting well. The wait is over. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the, um, I think one thing is, being, like, you are being realistic, you know, because we think, number one, we think when we follow God, oh, our life is going to be peaches and cream, <laughs> number one. And then um, we also want God to do everything on our timing. But when we look at it for real, we are born selfish beings. You know what I mean? Because he, when, he when he sent his son here for us, our lives are not our own, and it's not about us. But we do spend a lot of time about me, me, me. This is what I want. This is what I want. This is what I want. Versus every day, what can I give? Who can I, you know, what can I give out? What do I have? What can you put in me so I can go over there and give it out? You know, and in the midst of it, like, you have to be... They said some, we all are called, but few are chosen. And for people like you to go through things like that, it's like you a chosen one for sure. And a chosen one, he built you because someone else couldn't take what it is that you went through. Someone else wouldn't be able to walk a mile in the shoes and still have faith and still pray. And then be honest, like, yes, there was a time that it was just, yes, it's hard. And it is hard. You know, when we expect God to do something, God, this is what you said. This is your word. But he never tell us, I'm going to do it when you ask. He never told us that. But the fact that you know that it's going to be done. And another thing that we forget about is we here for a short time. We are promised 80, 70 to 80 years here on earth. But we have to go somewhere and live forever. So what we do here results of how we live wherever we're going after here. So when we put our minds on that, on, on things like that, because sometimes God is like, he know he going to do it. I mean, it's already written in the book of life. He knows exactly the date, the time, the hour. He knows that. But sometimes he wants you to say, in the midst of waiting, we're still trying to control the situation. I want it to happen and I want it to happen now. I've been waiting for six years. That's too long. But yet we look and read his word and we see people that was waiting 40, 50, like years for stuff to come to pass. You know, but he is not a man that he shall lie. And he never forgotten you, a person, you know, the thing. And it's like what you said. The way you get through that is remembering, you know what? 
it's not that situation, but I was telling my brother today, man, I just was walking this morning thinking about when we lost both our homes. Cars was repoed, homes was, you know, all of these things. And it's like, because people look at you now and it's like you're in a good place, but you had no idea. I didn't know how we was going to eat a, a meal. You know, I didn't know, or I'm saying, Larry, we need to pack these bags because we can't pay this $1,200 a month back then. You know, and it's like, he's seen me through that. He's seen us through that. And it's like, I'm the same God that helped you back then, still today. I'm the same God. Only thing change is every us. We the only thing change. His word do not change. It never changed. Everything is, is it, it don't change. He's the same. Yesterday, today, and forever. Nothing will change about him. We are the only things change. So, and we are part of how long we are in waiting. Yeah. We're, we play a part of that. Because as, as Pastor was saying, say you complain, you remain. And sometimes we do feel like you should feel my pity, God, or people, or whoever. You should feel sorry for me. And one thing about God, I don't care how you feel. He do not move off of pity. He just don't. He don't care how sorry you feel about yourself or that this, that, and the third happened to me. I know what happened to you. And I'm going to use it for my glory. And the whole point of him getting the glory for everything is because the whole point of us here is for to bring people on earth. There was a perfect world here. It was a perfect world. So we... We can't live in that perfect world anymore, of course, but we got him that see us, that believe him. He see us through the unperfect. Right. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that too because that was one vow that I had made to God during all of this is I'm not going to stop serving you. So even like to your point, nobody probably knew what y'all was going through. Nobody knew because y'all still showed up. We still did what we needed to do because life does go on, right? And I just told God... Because I'm going to give you the glory, whatever you have to do, just do it. But just help me through it. Like, you got to help me through it if you're going to do it. And so I, I continue to serve. I continue to be whatever he wanted me to be, talk to, pray for, minister to, love on, open up, start, shut down. Whatever it was that he wanted, that's what, for me, to be a fervent servant, that's what it means to me. I'm going to do it, God, and I'm going to do it with some excitement and some zeal. Because in the end, I know it's because something you want. I love you so much and I want to, I want to please you. So even though this hurts me, there's someone else who don't know you like I know you and they need, they need you. So however you need to use me, like do it. Like I want to serve. And that's another important thing. Like you have to be in a position where you come outside of yourself, get to the end of yourself and serve. Like pastor teaches us where you have a need, plant a seed. That's what I'm all about. I want to plant a seed. And seeds aren't always money. Sometimes they look like money, but they're not always money, y'all. My prayer, my time. This is a seed. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Being vulnerable, sharing, opening up, holding someone's confidence, giving someone a hug. Like, just get into a place where it's not just about you. And let God tell his story through your life. This and what so you make happen for others, God will make happen for you. That is a true yeah. thing. Yeah. So I wanted to say, like, this is so encouraging because my husband, me and my husband have been spoke like spoken this same prophecy over and over and over again. And I'm gonna be honest, sometimes we get tired of hearing the same word. Like, all right. <laughs> but yeah. because right now this is what it is. You know, I don't I'm tired of hearing about what it's gonna be. <laughs> so your story literally like ignited a weight inside of me and I just want to tell you how much it blessed me it's not you know even though it's not for children it's just a waiting period like sometimes my season of waiting 
it, it can get so exhausting that I don't have the energy to get up to pray. Yeah. I don't have the energy to be kind to my children as kind as not. I sure. ain't out there cussing my kids out, <laughs> but you know what I'm saying? As loving and as patient as I would love to be because of how this, this waiting God is speaking this stuff over us constantly and everywhere we go people are just like yeah y'all go this this and it i'm so sick of the prophecy i need action (laughs) but (laughs) it's just it's encouraging me to still get up and pray like i'm I'm telling you it takes my energy away but the fact that you have had this fortitude for all of this time like that is just so encouraging thank you jesus yeah there was a couple of things you said that had me going um I think one thing is it reminded me that my story didn't start when we lost that baby or when the doctor saw nothing. It was before that my testimony started. And I think only my mom, like only my mom and Ryan knows um, about like that part of it. But also like what you, you, Another thing you said was, like, either way, God's going to get the glory. And I feel like that's so true because um, in the same service that you were talking about where um, our testimony was shared and then another testimony was shared and the results were the same at both, so it's a sting again. But um, through all that, you still... If you go on Darlisha's Instagram or her Facebook, you, you can tell what she stands for, what she believes in. And if you go on this other person's um, Instagram or Facebook, you know their story. But if you go on mine or Ryan's, it won't look the same. So you are so out loud with your waiting or what you're believing in. So I think it's so important because you, you don't know what people are going through. So our story looked like at first, we tried, we got pregnant, it's been successful. That wasn't our story. But it looked like so sometimes we have to be careful and be mindful not to be so quick to be like well she got it like this well we don't know right. we don't know we don't know like like my mom said sometimes or looking at the family like oh y'all got it y'all doing it big y'all da, 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 da. you don't know what we've been through Baby. there's there's <laughs> been things that we me, my sister and i have been through with my parents that we don't even remember like it's like that happened to us when did we lose a house? <laughs> I've never worried about where my next meal was coming from, but my mama had to. You know what I'm saying? So, like, there's been things that losing a father, people don't know that, but it looks like one thing. Having to accept someone else at home, that was not easy. My sister had a horrible time dealing with that. <laughs> that was, it was a horrible, like, transition for her. That wasn't easy. So seeing that, watching her have to go through that at a, what, maybe six or seven years old, and then watching them open a business together, that's right, huge. Right, right. But it took a lot of years for us to get to that point. So it was like, I don't know, it's just, it's good to be in your own lane. Yes. When, when you, as far as like, this is God's promise to me, I don't have to worry about what's happening in Nishan's life, my mama's life, Stan's life, Nikki, no one else. Because, like, I don't really know what these people are going through. I don't know what type of battle, battle 
they're fighting behind closed doors. I don't know what type of wars they're going through. Like, Darlisha might pray more than me, so maybe that's why her life might look a little different than mine. She believes harder than me. Like, I'm doing so much stuff that's keeping me waiting in this different season because I'm not doing what I'm supposed to be doing. So sometimes it's like, well, God, why you ain't give me as many clients as you gave Darlisha? Well, Darlisha is a hustler, and she went out and she put a sticker on her car, and you didn't. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, that's why people right. see her on the highway and call her number. Right. So it's, it's different things. And then there was, oh, the last thing was, <laughs> Nikki said it, you said it. Somebody called and said, this is what's going to happen in your life. I heard God tell me this. And, and it can line up with what you believe. It lines up with what the word says. It lines up with everything. And then it don't happen. Okay, that don't make sense. I got a word that when we said we were thinking about trying, okay, you'll have a baby within a year. That gave me, in two days, if I don't have a baby, does that mean it's right. still not going to happen? Because right. two, in two days is when, was it's a, that's my year. Right. So when... Initially, when we got pregnant and got the date, I was due August 27th. She told me, August 26th, I'll have a baby. And then all that happened, and then they said, October 17th is when you're due. Well, that's not what she told me. <laughs> but I still have to believe. I still have to go through, like, just because it didn't happen when we thought, that doesn't mean it's not going to happen. But, again, I, God knew exactly who he could trust with the battle. I wouldn't be as loud as you if, you know what I'm saying? If I was going through the same things that you were going through. It's just not me. God created you, (laughs) molded you (laughs) exactly for what what you're doing. And then through all of this, you still help so many families now. Like, I wouldn't even know what to pray for a mom dealing with that. That's not my ministry. But sometimes it don't look like what we feel like, like my mom said, it don't look like what we feel like it should look like. Me, people tell me and Ryan, oh, y'all gonna do this. We got opportunity. We were like, mm-mm. <laughs> what if it don't look like what we thought? Then we, we finally thought we wanted something. We got the opportunity and we probably, it's like looking like, uh-uh. This is exactly what we wanted. Finally get the opportunity and we don't think we're gonna go through with it right now. Now what? Like, do that mean we still are called to do this thing? Like, I don't know. Those are just some of the things I thought about while you were talking that I- I mean, my mind are we just in being big. Yeah. I mean, are we in this? Are we in this? Or we am I allowed to say something? You can say we something can. real quick. Are you sure? Yeah. I mean, no, no. He said real quick. He I said. Mean, <laughs> I mean, I mean, I mean, I mean, almost at two hours. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, two hours. It's a almost at two. You know what? We can end this. Okay. No, I mean, I was just trying to pick. Yeah. I was just trying to say something just real quick. Two things about what Nicole. You've been driving those gyms. Um, one of the things is about you know you you're watching everybody else with 
what you know god gave them and everything what the what the the glory is and then you're just like why isn't that happening like you're you start getting distracted about your about your own lane and you get distracted that okay i'm a child of god too god has plans for me my plans might not look like that but you don't have no idea what world this came from so that's something that i kind of struggled with too is just staying in my own lane staying in something that okay even though i don't have the sisterhood or the family i got you know god brought me Nikki, God brought me Nicole. God brought me Nichon. Like, like I remember when I first met him. Like, I'm not gonna get into details, but it's just I started pouring. Like, I, I the way I was able to pour into all of you guys and Lily is not a way that I was able to pour into anybody because I was so shielded with myself because so many years. And that's when I got into like the whole community thing. It's important to, um, about the people who you surround yourself with because those are the people that will help you grow and nurture that seed that you were talking about planting. Like, you can you can plant that seed, but it takes a, it takes an army. It takes a it takes a, it takes a team, a family, a loved ones who truly are the glory of God to help you grow that into a beautiful flower into something just something that's glorifying God. So that's just all I really have to say. But I really appreciate you all. Last thing before we wrap it up, but this is this is important, you guys. One thing we need to remember when we think about self, it's not about us. Like the enemy is hates God. He hates God. So anything that's connecting to God. That's why uh, anything that's connected to God, he wants to destroy. And it's not, he don't want to destroy you. He don't care about you. He don't care. I don't care. You got a baby that's one day old, whatever. The enemy will go after and swipe it away because he don't, he, that's how much he hates God. So it's like when, once he come after us, it's, not, it's really not about us. He's trying to make sure because it, when stuff happened to me, guess what? I'm questioning God. So now I'm not serving you the way I did because you ain't do what you said. So now the enemy is having a field day on that because now I I could get you back on my territory because now you're upset with him. And that's his whole purpose is to get as many people to go to hell than it is to heaven, but it won't work. But that is the whole purpose. So we have to always go back to this is not personal. This is not about me. But if Jesus could take his life and land it on a cross for us, like who am I to say what I am and not to go through her on this earth for this short period of time when he laid down his life for each one of us to make sure that we had a place to go that we can live eternity that we can live at, you know? So we have to think of it like that. I have to tell that to myself times I've been through stuff like, who am I to complain about that? And he did this for me. Not only did he do this to me, he never sinned a day in his life. And I didn't see time and time and time again I have sinned and fallen short but he still open arms receive me back and and keep loving me and never stop loving me yet we compare what we go through and what he went through and what they did to him to save our souls <laughs>